Welcome to the Avance Podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Nick. And we're at uh, Haggerty Garage and Social tonight. It's a beautiful day to be here. As in, it's dumping rain outside and the showroom is beautiful. It's a beautiful, <laughs> you know, Seattle uh, rainy Wednesday. Yeah. I'm really excited about today's guest. I've been looking forward to it for a long time, but we'll get into that a little bit later. It's been... How you been? You good? Great. You good? Busy. I'm glad to hear that. I'm really glad to hear that. That's that's wonderful. Uh, Busy in a good way. <laughs> I, uh, I was... Uh, a little down in the dumps, nothing, you know, nothing bad, but I got, went out and, you know, the monkey's getting worked on, so I took the CRF out yesterday for a little ride. It was, you know, a little cold. I mean, not too bad, but it was very nice. Ran into uh, a couple at the cut shop uh, who just picked up brand new BMW GS. Uh, like a oh 1250 and a God. 6 something. Yeah. And she was really short and had gotten like a lowered seat and lowered suspension, and I was just, we were just drooling and talking. I'm sitting there like, with my at the t- I'm, you know, I, I felt really good about my CRF when I pulled up, and then I was like, oh, oh okay, like... <laughs> nicest couple in the world. Uh, I wish I could remember their name, but uh, and it sounds like they're planning to really use the bikes. We talked a little bit about the BDR and things like that. So, Very yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah, they're not going to do any single track on that, but uh, they'll definitely be a little more comfortable on the highway. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah. I think that's, they're planning to really t- launch out, but we, like I said, I started talking about BDR, of course, because I'm big fan of BDR. Oh my God, I cannot wait to get on the BDR. You yeah. sent us a video. We have an internal chat for this year's drive. He's, Dan sent us a video of a, some people that are did it? I think it was last year. Yeah, it was last year. They did two. They did both sections. There's a part one and a part two. It was actually some guys from New Zealand. Yeah. So that's a, that's a thing we didn't talk about as much in the last episode that I wish we would have touched on, is that people fly from all over the world to do the BDRs. They're that good. I was talking about a little bit on Avance. It's one of those things where I keep wondering, like, how do I enroll more people into doing this? Because once you've done one, the views, the places you can go are just so amazing and mind-blowing. I dream about it. I, I yeah. absolutely dream about it. And we did two days, and some of it was highway, and I still dream about it. Like, yeah. oh, God, it was so much fun. Yeah, you don't need a lot. You can get a cheap overlander and no. go do it. That's the, probably the best part of the BDRs is there's, there's overlanding that gets really hard, and then you're in over your head and everything breaks. The BDR isn't really like that. It just a... I mean, a stocked TRD anything could do a full BDR run in Washington. Yeah. Really, if you were careful and just, you could do the, ent- the entire thing. You might get a few trail stripes, but, you know, go buy a cheap 4x4, do the BDRs, or grab an adventure bike and do the BDRs. Trust us. You'll thank us. You'll send us thank you. You'll send us Christmas cards. It's one of the best experiences I mean, you'll ever have. You should be sending us Christmas cards no matter what. I mean, right? you listen to us every week. We're, we're in your, ham- we're your family. We're in your home. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Send us Grios products. Todd. <laughs> 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 Sorry, anyway. God's staring at me. It means it probably means I'll get a Christmas card this year. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Well, let's do this week's uh, Carter Automotive Group or Carter Subaru Tip of the Week. I want to talk about a little something I heard about, and it's out in Europe. You can get it in Europe. They're t- testing it out first. You can't get it here, and I wish they would because every time I drive somewhere, I want to drive into the other lane and slam into everyone with their high beams on during the middle of the day because it seems to be like half the cars do now. It's a good thing you don't have anger issues. <clears throat> no, not at all. You need a bigger <laughs> truck or a tank. Anyway. No, you don't. You know what a tank would cost to run? That's true. I mean, they're running out of them in Ukraine. Tank? <laughs> it's a hybrid tank. Yeah. The old electric tanks. Yeah, yeah everybody like loves those. Yeah, tank. absolutely. Yeah. You think the tank weighs a lot now. Put a bunch of batteries in it. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> be fine. Oh, it wasn't the shell that killed them. It was when the batteries exploded that killed them. Yeah, great. That's wonderful. Yeah. No, uh, so they have a new thing called adaptive light technology. And everybody say, here's adaptive light technology. They think automatic high beams or they think lights that turn. That have been around for a long, long time. I'm talking about adaptive light technology. That means your lights stay on basically your high beams the whole time. But your cameras now, all of our cameras, if you looked at even your most basic smartphone, 
are smart enough to know where the windshield is on another car and a car that's approaching you. And what this does is it uses a, basically a wall of LEDs and it will dim or change the LEDs or move them so that you have all this light, but it doesn't blind the driver in front of you. And it's super cool because that means you get an ultra-wide, ultra-high, massive floodlight system that doesn't blind the oncoming drivers. We actually did know something about this. We did. This came up uh, many, many years ago from a friend of ours. Yeah, it's I don't funny. know. I don't know if that's out there yet, so I don't really want to talk too much about it. But yes, we have. We do know what this. Is, yeah, yeah, on motorcycles. Exactly. Yes. A previous so, yeah. guest of ours actually mm-hmm. talked about this yes. technology. He was the one pioneering it for uh-huh. racing. Yes. Well, guess what? That is now a thing on I luxury cars. Know, I wonder if he knows they stole it. Yeah, I know. So, so yeah. uh, luxury, extreme luxury vehicles in Europe are already testing this. Yeah. Um, everything will take. 10 times longer in the U.S. because the DOT, all opinions aside, I guess we'll play Switzerland here. It's the most efficient government you can think of. Anyway. All government is efficient. <laughs> Our government is extremely efficient, and all this will be here in no time. government is efficient. They are great. <laughs> so, yeah. The DOT does nothing wrong. They are always on budget and on time. Yeah, that anyway. did not eat your car. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. You know what? It's, it's funny because my brain goes to, what's it going to cost to fix it? <laughs> Yeah, and so that was one of the things they talked about. Did you know yeah. the average cost of a replacement LED light on a BMW is $7,000 now? Yeah. $7,000. I don't think people, I mean, especially around here, understand. And we ran into it when we, when we interviewed uh, uh, Brandon about the Audis and the fact that, like, you get an Audi in, in a hailstorm and it dents the roof, it's totaled. Yeah. Because there's so much technology. It's We're getting, antennas, there's so yeah. much techno- tech in those cars that it's just... I mean, it, 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 and you, you're going to start seeing people leasing cars because it's too expensive to fix them. Yeah. So, yeah. We should probably do a tech, an episode at some point. I would like to have to find an expert because right to repair is a big thing. And we've heard about it in things like phones and computers where like, if, like right now I have a, a laptop and the battery is bad. There's no way to replace it. I mean, I can, it literally requires a heating pad and a pry tool to get the, the lid open because it's literally glued together. So you literally have to do a heating pad in places to pry the back off of it. To and warm a, the glue kind of thing? Yeah, to warm the glue. And it's just a bad battery, but it's like, hmm. you could have done this with screws and made it a $20 replacement. And yeah, so, but the problem is they don't want to because people like you and I will take screws apart and do it ourselves and then void warranties and... Yeah, well, also... How many times did you take across apart your, your PS2 when you weren't supposed to, and then you go get it fixed, and they go, we can't fix it because we know you've been inside, and I'm like, no, you haven't. I mean, the person's like, no, you haven't. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you don't put screws on. And, anyway, yeah. yeah, we've talked about this with, with cars. They're running into the same thing. Yeah. There's a big, a John Deere. We've talked about this a little before. John Deere is a huge right-to-repair lawsuit. That, well, I think they won. I think the farmers won that, the Farmers won. Yeah. Yeah, that's still... There's a lot to it. I don't think. Anyway. I don't think that John Deere has has conceded, but I think the farmers won. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, cars do the same thing though. Where proprietary technology. I mean, think about it. Once this stuff trickles down to a car, it's BMW is actually a great example because outside of the last two years, remember when M3s, like E36s, and all M3s especially, hundred thousand dollar car now, inevitably dropped to like ten years. They're worth about twenty thousand. Literally, it's like an 80% decline in the car, and then they slowly ramp back up as the demand goes up, and there's not as many left on the road. But you break a headlight on a $20,000 car, well, that, that headlight didn't depreciate. It's still $7,000. So if you like, you know, bumper impact, you hit, a, you hit a curb in a parking lot or something, get too close to a, a, a lamppost, a simple slip of a, an accident, bumper, headlight, marker light, hood, totaled. Do that in a Corolla, you're like, yeah, Fifteen hundred bucks later, you're back on the road. You're on a you know a, a standard Crosstrek with a standard even an HID light. 
two grand, three grand in repairs. But uh, yeah, you're you're right. So well, I mean, we it, digress a lot in this section. It's funny because I was in a discussion. I'm, I'm, I've obviously dove deep into the the Outback Wilderness stuff. Yeah, and they're having some issues from stock from Subaru with the windshields are cracking like at 1,400 miles. And people are going out there and, and Safelite and things like that are trying, I shouldn't say Safelite's doing it, but they're, they're, they're trying to replace aftermarket them with glass companies. Aftermarket, glass, aftermarket glass companies with aftermarket glass and it's screwing up the eyesight because the yeah. eyesight needs and so it's a whole, it's an add-on. I mean, it's like, I remember when somebody, we had a friend of ours from Exotics that replaced his windshield on his S-Class and it was like $12,000 for a windshield. Like, it used to be 20 to 30 for yeah. so, like, I mean, average Lamborghini windshield. Yeah, yeah. so you look at I mean, something's yeah. worth what somebody's willing to pay for it. But yeah, I <laughs> so, think yeah. it's funny. There's Jeep has the two hundred dollar option for the Corning Gorilla Glass windshield. It's actually really reasonable. I was surprised, yeah. and they are. They actually did prove to be quite a bit more chip resistant. It's ironic. I mean, if, so basically, what you're saying is we could just buy one of those windshields and cut them up and then sell them as phone screens and probably make our money back pretty uh, technically, quickly. The yeah. iPhone has a Gorilla <laughs> yeah, Glass I know. So, yeah. screen. That's kind of funny. Yeah. Anyway, a uh, little digression on our Carter's uh, Automotive Group tip of the week, but uh, it is cool technology, and that will be great for not blinding everyone around you and still being able to see. It's nice to see that. I'm sure it will trickle down. I would, I would honestly give it probably five to ten years before the U.S. widely adopts it in the luxury cars, and probably about 15 where it's standard. I, so, I, but it's I, coming. I mean, yeah, the Outback's the first one I had where I can keep my ha- ha- high beams on and mm-hmm. it turns it off. I like that. It's a, neat, it's a neat feature. The Raptor has it, but it's like a strobe light. It works terribly. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, oh, That's it's dark. weird. Bing. It's yeah. off. Oh, yeah. off. It's on. awful. Okay. Yeah. Nice. There's everything with that thing is a little slow, but it, it gets there. <laughs> Excellent. Well, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll be talking to this week's guest. And our guest today is Tim Cruikshank. Did I say your last name right? Yeah, that's close enough. Close enough? Yeah, that's close enough. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. He can't kill you or anything. No, you're fine. Yeah. That's yeah. all good. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, man. Thanks. Thanks uh, for having me. If you if you don't know that name, he is the owner and CEO of Bonefrog Coffee here in the Pacific Northwest. And wine. And wine. Yeah. That's correct. Bonefrog Sellers, correct? Sellers. Bonefrog Sellers. Yes. Yeah. And it's funny. <laughs> so we've had this set up for probably a month now. Yep. And we were interviewing uh, Benjamin uh, Peterson Peterson last uh, two weeks ago. Indy Lights Drive. And I'm, and I'm looking at these photos as he sends us, and I'm like, hey, wait a minute. What's that name on the back of your car? He goes, oh, you, this is an awesome car uh, coffee company. You should, and he goes to tell me, like a good race car driver goes to, I mean, going to give me the whole spiel. And I'm like, no, no, it's okay. I know who he is. We're going to be interviewing yeah. him on the show. So kind of a small world. Yeah, Benjamin's great. He's a really oh, neat guy. I mean, you yeah. talk about something that's going to go really far. So how did you make the connection with Benjamin? Like, how did that even come about? Benjamin went to school with my kids. Oh, they okay. all went to Eastside Catholic together. Okay. Yeah. He was sponsored, and it was good. He was like, he was about to give me the full rundown on what it is and what Bonefrog, and I'm like, it's okay. I know. I was just curious in the fact that it's such a small world, oh, so yeah. that's really he, neat. He's an amazing young man. Just yeah, unreal. His yeah. work ethic, his grit. He, oh god, tough kid, hard racer, amazing. He's gonna he's gonna go really far. Yeah, he'll be going, in, he'll be an indie. I mean, oh. he's obviously indie too right now, but yeah. he's gonna be. Up yeah. there, you know, setting records with he, the best of them. So, he, yeah, he's going places and yeah. he's a great brand ambassador for us because he, he really epitomizes everything that we stand for in the SEAL teams that, you know, tough minded, hardworking mentalities. He's amazing. Well, I mean, speaking of that, I want to kind of get into the background. I'm <laughs> speaking of Navy SEALs and you, Bone Frog. And Bone Frog. <laughs> yep. Uh, give us a little bit of background on you, on where you came from, and, you know, how you got to this point with Bone Frog. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I grew up right here in Washington, um, down in Federal Way, okay. and uh, joined the Navy in 1990, a few years after high school. But I joined the Navy to be a SEAL. And, uh, you know, I went through boot camp and A school and then went straight to BUDS. A lot of people join the Navy to be the a SEAL. Stuff. Not yeah. a lot of people well, become yeah. a SEAL, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 The, the attrition rate's pretty high. And, yeah. you know, I tell this story when I joined the Navy, I didn't tell my parents. And my dad was a, was a Marine and I told him, you know, at dinner, I said, Hey, uh, pass the potatoes. I joined the Navy and, and <laughs> well, now you're not getting the potatoes, <laughs> I was like, you know, all the silverware drops and everybody's looking at me like, what the heck? And I go, yeah, I'm going to be a seal. Are you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, yeah my mom was like, you know, that's like one of the most difficult things that there is to do. I go, yeah, I'm going to do it. Beyond the movie yeah. Navy SEALs, do you know anything about that? Yeah, exactly. so, <laughs> Which is not at all no, like that. No. <laughs> yeah. And then my dad on the other, you know, being a Marine, he's like, yeah, well, Navy, I guess it's something, right? You know. <laughs> Good enough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, he, he Couldn't become a Marine SEAL? No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He didn't realize until, uh, you know, he came to my graduation. And he's like, hey, that was, that's something. You know, yeah. That was, that, was a, that was a good accomplishment accomplishment so that i mean it's obviously you know from the civilian world you know what we know about that is probably a tenth of what it really is and i mean the movies if don't pitch, pitch it like it is but it like you said the attrition rate is pretty high and and it you got to be a in shape mentally physically emotionally oh come on you just hold your breath and call it a day oh sure yeah <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> just sit yeah, right, yeah. Just, he'll kill us both. i'm sweating <laughs> thinking about the work yeah, yeah i know I'm like no I'm way tired now. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah, we guys are good <laughs> No, I For can't now. imagine doing anything so hard in my entire life. I'm uh, extremely impressed. Anybody who gets <laughs> through that, even washouts, I'm just like, you got farther than I did because you started. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So Bonefrog itself, though, is a pretty young company. You guys haven't been around that long, as far as I can tell, relatively. Yeah, really, we've been around for about a mm, little over a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah, so we're pretty new. Grown pretty quick. We are. Yeah. Which is a good problem to have. It is a great problem. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Well, um, I know some of your financial team, so you're... Uh, no. <laughs> so, actually, I was introduced to you by a, a good... Well, he's family, Peter Vermillion, Hi, and Peter. then my father, Mark Bergeron. Yes. But yeah, Uncle Peter, as we call him. Yes. But, um, it was... It was uh, in, they came to us and they were like, would you like to have him on the podcast? I'm like, absolutely, I want to talk to this guy because I love the coffee and I love what you're doing. But, yeah, I appreciate that. So I guess link, let's link this up in the fact of, of what the word bone frog means and coming from SEALs and then how you went from becoming a Navy SEAL to creating this company. Yeah. So the bone frog itself and I, what I really want people to understand, it, you know, my goal is to have all of America see the bone frog and know what it stands for. So a little bit of a, a backstory on it, you know, back in World War II, SEALs were called the underwater demolition teams, the UDTs. They were called the frogmen of the Navy. Yep. These are the guys that went in and cleared the beaches in the South Pacific and Nordy Beach and that kind of stuff. These were tough guys. And it wasn't until, you know, uh, Vietnam, that uh, the Vietnam era, when uh, President Kennedy commissioned the SEAL teams, SEAL Team 1 and SEAL Team 2 in 1962. And um, those guys went into Vietnam and they created this reputation. They were called the men with green faces. And they were the ones that snuck up on you in the middle of the night. And, yes. you know, yeah. You know. Yeah, the guy it, popping out of the water that we all see. Yeah. Yeah. And so they hug you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the bone frog itself was actually drawn by a friend of mine, Keith Kamara. We were SEAL uh, corpsmen, medics together. And 
Um, Keith drew the original bone frog and when he passed away, it became this kind of iconic symbol in the SEAL teams that represented those that sacrificed their lives for our country and our freedom and our American way of life. I took Keith's drawing and I modified it a little bit and I put that, that trident there in the, in the pelvis. I was going to ask uh, yeah. about that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. Pretty cool. And I changed the head a little bit to look more like a Navy anchor. I just modified it to kind of honor Keith and, but I, I, it keeps the same meaning of, um, of sacrifice. And, you know, I put honor the fallen at the bottom of the bag, the company itself, you know, it, it started when I retired, I retired out of a joint command at Fort Bragg and Navy retirements are very traditional. They're very, you know, dress uniforms, white gloves, swords, the whole thing. And I remember I was standing up there at the podium giving my speech and I'm looking out at everybody in the audience, you know, for my 25 year career. And, and I'm looking at guys in the eyes and, and all these memories are coming back. We, at that point we'd been at war for 16 years and, you know, a lot of other conflicts throughout that time. And, and I'm remembering all this stuff. And I, uh, went back to the hotel room. We were getting ready to pack up and, and leave. And I told my wife, I go, I have an idea. I have an idea that I, I want to honor these guys that, that died and talk about the amazing things that they did. And I think that the books and the movies are great, but they don't, they don't tell the whole story. They don't meet the mark. I, I don't think. And, those people that do the movies haven't experienced it. Even if if you have people that are advising on those, it's it's not. I mean, our idea. Um, obviously, it's pop culture right now. Of the GI Joe and GI Jane and and the Navy SEALs. It's not what's really happening. You're you're seeing things that we're not supposed to see. That's sort of your job. Yeah, there's okay. a lot more to the stories than what you're seeing in the books and the movies. And and I wanted to be able to talk about them. These guys were my brothers, and um, you know we have a saying. Uh, long live the brotherhood and unless you've lived it you don't really know what that means it's it's such a close-knit fraternity of just a few guys that are have been to hell and back really together and when you lose somebody like that it you're basically losing a part of yourself yeah if that makes sense and so when I was retiring and leaving the community it 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 struck me that I needed to talk about them, to tell their stories so their sacrifices weren't in vain, that people remember that. And they see that bone frog image as something that, you know, they see it on your shirt or your hat or they're like, right on, man. That's, that's cool because you're representing something that is so purely American that, you know, those guys are willing to raise their hand and say, hey, I will give my life for you and for our country and our American way of life. And that's what it's all about. And I want people to know that. I want them to see that and be part of something. And I, um, every time somebody buys something, I, I thank them for their support and I welcome them to the team. And I think that's important. I want every American to come and be part of what we're doing, to be part of something greater than yourself. And the other part of it is I wanted to give back. And so with the sale of each product, I give back to the foundations to support those families and, um, you know, the wives and the kids that are left behind because that sacrifice continues, not just with the service member's death, but for their sacrifice right. as well. Yeah. 
It's important for that legacy to live on and people to understand, I mean, this, in the civilian life, what actually goes on. I mm-hmm. think that's a wonderful symbol. And the fact that, you know, not only do you know the person that created that, that it, it didn't just become a symbol for your company, it is a symbol for the Navy SEALs. Like, it's, it's recognized throughout mm-hmm. all of your brotherhood, yep. correct? Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So how did the, the wine side of this come into play? This so Bone Frog Cellars. Yeah. So I created coffee and wine uh-huh. for for a reason that they are conversation pieces huh. right yeah so coffee, for coffee let's grab a glass of wine yeah exactly so yeah. you know if we're gonna get together for a business meeting where hey let's grab a cup of coffee we'll sit down and we'll talk and it's the same thing with the wine and i find that um, when we go to dinners and things like that i'll just take a, a bottle of the bone frog wine and i i'll walk in put it right in the middle of the table and walk away and it's awesome because everybody just stops You're like oh Look at the label. What the heck is that? And they'll grab it, they look at the front, and then they turn it over and the story's on the back. Everything is on the back, the name of the company, everything. The front is just the bone frog in honor of the fallen. And it starts a conversation and that's all I want. And that's, you know, why I go on podcasts and I do all these things because I want to tell the story. And uh, and I'm grateful that you guys have given me the opportunity to do that. Well, glad to have you. Grateful to have you. Um, so, obviously, were, were you, uh, the simplistic, were you a fan of, of, of coffee and wine? Is that why you decided to go in that direction, basically? Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. Yes. Not that all of us aren't, but. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 That and, you know, we live here in Washington, which is, you know. Coffee and wine. <laughs> coffee and wine. It's the home of both <laughs> of coffee those. coffee here? I didn't know. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, is, you know, if you're going to make coffee and wine in this state, you've got to do it at a very high level. Yeah. You know, we're, we're known for that. And so if you're going to do those things, you got to be really good at it. And so it's a little, little stressful, but it's good because it makes you better, right? Yeah. Did you know a lot about that when you went into this? Like Nothing. Nothing. Okay. <laughs> Zero. So I you're mean, one of those that just relate. goes, I'll learn it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's how, that's, I mean, Dan didn't know anything about podcasting and that's how we got where we are. So, yeah. Well, yeah. I think in our lives, you got to push ourselves outside your comfort zone, right? Oh, yeah. So we can stay in our little cocoons and we can do all these things that we know, but we're not going to grow as human beings unless we push ourselves. Sure. And that's important, obviously. Um, yeah. There's a lot of people that need to be pushed. Oh, yeah. A lot of yeah. resources yeah. around here. Yeah. 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 Where so. or well. off of what, I won't say, but they need uh, to be pushed. Yeah. Yes, I'm with you. <laughs> so where are you sourcing your coffee? So the the coffee, can I tell the story about it? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yes, yes, it's please. super cool. So I say by the grace of God, we were introduced to and ran into Dave Stewart. Dave Stewart was the original owner of Seattle's Best Coffee. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was like, why do I know that name? And Yeah. Yeah, so this is the you know one of the iconic guys that created the entire world's coffee craze. Him and another guy, Howard Schultz. Yeah, never heard of him. Yeah. <laughs> and so Dave has been, and in special operations, you know, you can't know everything, but you can surround yourself with subject matter experts, people that know more than you and make you look good. <laughs> I'm I'm all about that. So Dave Stewart has That's you, been. Dan. You make me look good. Yeah. <laughs> Dan. It's tough, but yeah, he does a good job. Good job. Dan. Yeah, good job, Dan. <laughs> So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so Dave Stewart loved what we were doing. He's a super patriotic guy and loved the messaging and loved everything about it. And he goes, hey, I will help you out. I will mentor you. I will teach you. I will help create your blends. I will do all these things because I believe in what you're doing. I think this is important. And so I have been learning and doing all this with one of the most iconic coffee makers in the world. And he... Makes great coffee. He's been doing this for over 50 years. And 
So he's got a little bit of experience. Yeah. Of experience. yeah, okay. Now, on the other side with sourcing coffee, um, it's a kind of a cool story. So when he was bought out by Howard Schultz um, back in 2013, his brother Jimmy, Jimmy Stewart, I love it. Um, <laughs> so Jimmy, <laughs> I know that. Okay. Is, Jimmy married a Colombian woman, and they and she owns and operates a bunch of farms in Central and South America. And it's a super cool story that, you know, in a very male-dominated uh, society down there, yeah. she is thriving in this coffee industry and growing beans. And so Dave sources from his brother and sister-in-law the most high-quality beans, direct trade, no middleman. You get the best beans at the the best price. and it's Quality uh, control is pretty easy if you can sit at the dinner table and go, hey, how are we doing? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> exactly. So it's it's a great relationship. Okay. That's really cool. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Did you come so, out that same? I mean, did you just happen to find like the person that's making the best wine? And, I was going to ask I was that like, next. Did yeah. that happen too? <laughs> it kind of did. Okay. And so um, my winemaker um, was just the president of the Washington Wine Association. Oh, just. Okay. Again, doesn't know anything. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. again, yeah. grateful to be associated with them. John Bookwalter is a second generation winemaker. Um, you know, we source our, our grapes from some of the oldest vines in the state. Uh, and the cool thing about this, the learning that has taken place in winemaking, wine is, is, a, is a chemistry experiment that is blended with art and imagination to create something so amazing. You don't even, like the average person, I think, doesn't even realize what goes into making a good good bottle of wine. So my learning curve on wine has been through the roof. And the similarities between how you grow a coffee bean and a grape is very similar with the amount of water or shade, um, the mineral content, you know, all those things. And the coolest thing about grapes that they taught me was that with vines you want to feed them small amounts of water and I said why and he's like you want the roots to struggle when the vines and the roots struggle they create the best grape and the best wine and I think it's a good analogy or a good reflection on our lives in general I think with the struggle comes uh, overcoming adversity adversity, yeah yeah Yeah. and growth and growth right yeah yeah. Don't take the easy route. And it's the same way with wine and making a really good quality wine, you know, embrace the struggle. So right. I thought that was super cool. Embrace the struggle, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> Start struggling more. <laughs> yeah, Start have, struggling. Have, yeah, excellent wine resources here. We've actually had Madeline Paquette on the show before from Wine Folly. Oh, it's, nice. Yeah, it's, it's funny how small the world is when it comes to automotive podcasts and everything else in Washington. <laughs> yeah. Wine, coffee. Well, Dan and, and I used to drink a lot of wine. So there was that too. Yeah, <laughs> I've slowed down. So yeah, it still builds up though at the house now. So that's oh, I know. Yeah, I have drink bottles more, and so. bottles yeah. and bottles. I'm like, so it's a Christmas gift. I mean, <laughs> back to our original topic. How did you get involved in sponsoring a race team? Like, how did that come I mean, about? Your like, kids went to school. I mean, together, but, but I mean, how did that come about? Like afterwards, I, I think there was joint interest in that. Um, how do I how do I explain it? So. You know, as a brand ambassador for us and being associated with the foundations that I'm associated with, so the Navy SEAL Foundation particularly, um, I think it's good for both of us, um, you know, him advertising our company and have us on his car and the Navy SEAL Foundation and that kind of stuff. It, it was kind of a, 
a partnership made in heaven. I think it was mutually beneficial and, you know, everything that Benjamin does is amazing. I, I love that guy and, and he's going to go do great things. And, and, uh, you know, he wanted to be a part of what we were doing and, and likewise, just, and, just uh, met just, up, as you say, met up in heaven. Yeah. So it, I think it's, that's wonderful. It's amazing. Yeah. That's really fun. amazing. I've been looking since I since we did that episode of Benjamin, I've actually been looking like going through indie and Formula One, looking at it. It's like coffee is the new cigarettes when it comes to uh, race car sponsorships. It's going to kill you less than more. cigarettes. It'll I mean, kill you, know, you less. Yeah, Marlboro looked good on a car. It but looked really it, good on the cars. <laughs> and at the end of the day, yeah. yeah so. But I'm seeing more and more of it because I mean, like uh, Black Rifle obviously is now big into automotive sponsorships. Yep. They're on everything now. They are. Um, and there's obvious parallels here. Um, but it seems like a pretty different product overall, actually, <laughs> or at least different story. Spe- speaking of, of doing things and coming from the military and doing good things, have you run into the guys from uh, Combat Flip Flops in Issaquah? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. And uh, a Griff. Yeah. So we've yeah. had him on the show <laughs> sure. and oh, Chewy. Yeah. So, I mean, it's <laughs> like a character. Awesome. Love yeah, that guy. some of the best footwear I can wear. I mean, <laughs> so I love <laughs> yeah. those guys. Yeah, yeah. But I like, the, I like the idea of kind of giving back and especially recognizing the fallen and, and, and giving back to the world that, that people may not know happened. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I'm all about supporting, you know, other veteran businesses and, you know, he's doing great things and super proud of him and all the stuff that he's doing as well. So where are we where's Bonefrog going? What's what's the next not not to reveal your, your trade secrets here, but I mean are, I mean obviously they can we're going to give out all the information where people can find all of this to get this wonderful coffee cuz we have our own. I'm not giving it up. So, yeah. That's true. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, we are growing at just a, at a rapid pace and so we're trying to keep up with that. Um we're revamping the website right now as we speak to get it uh, more functional and easier to use and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we're looking at growing to a brick and mortar store to have fulfillment in the back and have some retail in the front. Excellent. Um, so if anybody who's listening knows of a place out there, let me know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You're we're, actually looking for a place. We're okay. looking for a place and okay. everything here is very expensive. And so, you know. There's no good coffee shops in Stoquami Ridge. I'll tell you yeah. right now, there's there's one in downtown Snoqualmie, a little drive through, and then there's Huck's daughter in North Bend, but there's yep. not a single coffee stand in yeah, get Snoqualmie on that, Peter. Ridge. Yep, <laughs> Peter. Yeah, yep. Peter. So yeah, yeah. and I would <laughs> like there's two Starbucks. There's actually there's three Starbucks, yeah, and they're those. they don't even count. Yeah. So I don't, I don't count Starbucks as good coffee shops anymore. Yeah. So best, <laughs> best donuts in the land. It needs coffee. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, right. Yeah. So we're, we're growing really quick and we're looking for a new space so we can expand and grow even bigger. And, um, you know, this year we've, we've got a lot of stuff on our plate and we are excited about the opportunities that we have. Um, I was just talking earlier about, you know, we're, we're getting involved with the national veterans museum and memorial in Ohio, and they're going to feature Sweet. our products in their gift store and in their online store. And it's, it's awesome to do that. And we've been invited out to Sturgis. And oh, that's fun. <laughs> that, we're going to have fun. Yeah. Yeah. We're last, big bike guys, so yeah. Yeah, last year I had to turn it down because we just weren't big enough. And I, I couldn't make that promise to them that we could go out there and, and fulfill it. But now we're big enough and... You know, you're going to be so embraced by that community. Uh, I mean, oh yeah, the, many I, of them being veterans, but let alone supporting veteran causes. Those are our people. Yeah, I mean, really. Yeah, those are our people, and so excited to go out and see them. And I've got a bunch of my buddies, uh, seals that are bikers. They're like, "Hey, man, we'll go up there and help you out and and hang out." And you know, so that's ten days of uh, pure bliss, debauchery. Let's just well, say it's okay, ten days it's of debauchery. debauchery. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> but you'll have good coffee to keep you awake that's while doing right. it. So that's the important thing. Yes, and maybe a little good wine at night. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I can supply my fellow patriots with exactly. some good coffee and wine. So, you know, that kind of stuff. We, uh, 
were associated in selling to some NHL teams and looking at a bunch of other opportunities. So it's, it's super cool to be doing this, um, to be getting our messaging out there to everybody. And, you know, the more people that I can tell about what we're doing, the more we can give back and, and keep growing. So it's awesome. Well, obviously the marketing's working. I mean, not only on the indie cars, but you know, through people we know. I mean, it's it's such an interesting, like Dan said before, such a short connection between everybody. I know we so. we know some pretty cool I, people. I, well, yeah, I don't know why they hang out with me. I know why they hang out with you. But uh, at the end of the day, so we have where, fun. Where We're are you, fun. Where are you guys based out of right now? I mean, I've seen brick and mortar wise. So we do our fulfillment out of a shop in Issaquah. Oh, okay. Nice. Okay, then you definitely know the <laughs> combat guys. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Small world again. Yeah, so that's Just down the hill at. from all of us. Yeah. Yeah. And then the winery's down in Richland. Okay. That yeah. was going to be my next question. Yeah. Okay. And then are you, are you, are, are you guys actually going down there with the winery and mixing and blending all your stuff or is somebody doing that for you? And then you're. So the, the way that works is we go down and we sit and we talk about the, the blends that we want to make or the varietals. And, uh, we'll do wine tasting and talk about different you know, flavor profiles and things like that. And the coolest thing about this, like when we made our Chardonnay, we were trying a bunch of wines from France and going through the different flavor profiles and talking about it and, and talking about the things that we liked. And then we put it all together and they made it. And, and it was cool when it first came out, we're all standing around um, in the winery back with all the barrels and the sommeliers are tasting and everybody's all excited. And I'm like, Oh, this is so great. And I, I told the winemaker, Oh, you, you nailed it. This is exactly what we wanted. And just deadpan flat. He goes, that's what you asked for. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just unbelievable. Mind blowing that they can create something like that. Just to- you want it. I gave it to you. Why are you surprised? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was crazy. You come so, from a military background. That's not the first time you uh, run to somebody like that. I asked you to do something. You did it. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah. but this is hard to do. It's I'm sure. Just yeah, unbelievable. So it's been really fun, and the, you know the learning curve has been high, but it's exciting. You know, it's one of these businesses that you want to be part of, and you wake up in the morning, and you know some people have jobs where they keep hitting the snooze button. They don't want to get up. I don't do that. I'm excited. I'm passionate about what I do and, and, and excited about telling people about it and having them be part of our team and, and uh, kind of sharing in all this. It's, it's really I'd be fun. more excited about mornings if I had a reason to get up, like good coffee. I mean, that's, you know. <laughs> well, you coffee now. Yeah, I do. Step one. I do, yeah. You yeah. need more caffeine, Nick. That's, that's going to n- go That's great. the last thing I, my ADHD needs, but, you know, I'd be fine. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can't wait to try it tomorrow because I'm going to brew it yes, up in the morning. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. probably not tonight. Yeah. <laughs> I actually have coffee with me because I have to work late, but yeah. But you're drinking oat milk, so it's good for I you. I am drinking Yeah, that's oat milk. right. That's the way to do it, yeah. I like it. It's yeah. good. I, I think it's good. Yeah. yeah it's funny, yeah. though, how much you, so you were saying how much wine and coffee are, are science because I, until I met Madeline, really, who I could be like, oh, I want something that tastes like this, and she, it's that the way they just interpret what you're saying into what makes sense, there's an art to that in itself because a lot of people, like 99% of us, can't say... I want my wine to taste this way. We're going to say, I want it juicier. I want it softer in the powder. Mm-hmm. I want less tannin. And even though nobody knows what that actually means, they say it. I or, want it in a jug. I want it in a box. Right. No. And it takes <laughs> a Somalia to be like, okay, I understand what you're describing and the way you're saying it. And I know what you want. Yep. It's a whole lot different than actually being like, I would like a 30% blend of this grape from this region. And they're like, yes, I know these grapes from this region mm-hmm. taste like that. And if you mix them with these grapes from this region, they'll taste like this. And 
I, my palate's never been mind, there. Even after Madeline, like people will be like, "You'll drink it." Be like, "Oh, do you taste the orange feel?" And I'm like, "No, I taste wine. Like, I taste great. <laughs> Why is there orange in my and wine? Alcohol? No, that's not what that means. <laughs> I know." So yeah, I, I know. asked that. I'm like, "Okay, so you taste orange peels?" Yeah. But I taste something totally different. And yeah. they said, yeah, everybody's palate is different in how you perceive things. What I perceive is blackberry, you perceive as dark plum or something. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? So when you're sitting down, and that's the amazing part when you're sitting down with the winemaker trying to create something and, and you're both supposed to be saying the same thing, it's hard to create something from... Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> From nothing. It's it's difficult. Yeah. When I've done the tastings where I helped with a, a winemaking session several years ago and they, we all tasted the same thing and said, tell us what you taste. Mm-hmm. And they didn't expect us to have like the same answer. There, there wasn't a perception thing. Like we expect you to taste this. And it was like, tell me what you taste. Therefore, therefore I can make your flavor profile. And then they created a wine, a blend out of what we liked. And sure enough, it was spot on. It was pretty cool. Yeah. It was like. I'm not that talented. So. Yeah. <laughs> Does that same process go into choosing beans as far as how to roast them, when mm-hmm. to roast them, things like that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's really cool. So beans, it's interesting that the analogy I use is you can take a filet mignon and a top sirloin and burn the crap out of them and they'll both taste the same, right? <laughs> but if you, if you roast them or cook them perfectly... Um, the flavor profile will come out of that flaming yon versus the top sirloin. Right. It's the same way with coffee beans. So there are some companies that will burn them consistently and have a very consistent (laughs) burnt flavor, (laughs) burnt flavor or taste. I mean, Oh, sorry. (laughs) No. Um, and it's more difficult to roast them more specifically to bring out the flavor profiles. And that's why I like our light roast so much because, uh, Dave roasts our coffee in a Northern European style and it brings out the flavor profile, just like in a wine, it brings out the flavor profile of the, of the beans. And if you have a bad quality bean that will come out as well. And so the bean quality has to be really high and it has to be roasted just perfectly to bring this out. And the coffee ends up being, you know, rich and bold and very smooth without any acidic, aftertaste that kind of feeling that gives you indigestion and stuff like that so i love his coffee and i love the way he roasts it it's, it, it's amazing huh. so you went from basically high school to navy mm-hmm. and then what did you do after navy did you jump straight into this or so, were you medical well, he you had were, his epiphany, epiphany while he was resigning from the navy to do this so <laughs> yeah, yeah so while i was in the navy i got three degrees i got two bachelors and a master's degree Underachiever. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Why don't you do something with your life? Well, Jeez. the Navy paid for it. So I ended up being what, what's called a, a Mustang. So I was prior enlisted, and then I got commissioned and became an officer. I ended up retiring as a lieutenant commander, um, which was a pretty cool thing. And so I got, got my degree in medicine uh, as a PA, as a physician assistant. Yeah. Uh, my background, you know, because I was a corpsman, uh, was all in trauma medicine. And so, um, continued doing that. I ended up becoming the, uh, the Naval Undersea Medicine Liaison to NATO for Undersea Medicine Hyperbaric stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah okay. You know. Got it, yeah. That uh, sounds like a simple topic, right? Undersea Medicine to NATO? I mean, come on. No. Yeah, so I... <laughs> Don't come up too fast. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and uh, so it was pretty cool. And, you know, so my whole background and everything I know is medicine and trauma and that kind of stuff, so... Huh. 
I bet that came in handy when being a SEAL. It's pretty good. How long? Okay, so I got, I've got some Navy SEAL questions. How long did it take from when you enlisted to become a Navy SEAL? Because you have to be an officer to go to SEAL school, correct? No, you don't. You don't? No. Okay. No, no, no. Okay. So I was an E3 when I went through. Okay. And uh, junior enlisted. So boot camp was 12 weeks. A school was, I don't know, I can't remember. It was so long ago. It was 30 years ago. Um, it was like another 12 weeks. And then Bud's is... Uh, oh, so you go to Bud's right afterwards. You don't... I did. Okay. Not everybody does. So I had orders to go directly there, and they run you through all these tests, and they keep doing it. And it's not just once. They just... Every t- they want to see if you really want to do yeah, this. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. And so um, get to Bud's, and make once you make it through Bud's, you know, you still have to go to jump school. And for me, I had to go th- through um, 18 Delta, Sockham... Special Operations Combat Medic School. Then you get to your team. And at the time, they would put your trident in a glass display box on the quarter deck. And you had to do what was called STT, so your advanced training. So months and months of training through that. And then you go in front of a board. And it was all the senior guys at the team. My first team was SEAL Team 8. And they sit at a big table like we're sitting at here in their dress uniforms with all their, I mean, their trends. Wall of medals. Yeah. yeah. Sitting up on their, over their shoulder. Yeah. yeah. You know, here's yeah. all these combat veterans and I'm a new guy and, and they start hammering you with questions and it, it covers every topic and, you know, they have every weapon in the command in a cardboard box taken apart. And so while they're firing questions at you, you're having to put all the weapons together and then they'll have you shift over and set up a SATCOM communication and then do a dive plan with dive physics on the whiteboard and then you know they just keep while going. asking questions to you at the while same they're time. asking yeah. questions and there's yeah. a representative from each you know it could be uh from medical from the armory from um, operations from you know you name it and they're all firing questions at you and you're doing all this stuff and it goes on for hours and hours and hours and then they ask you to step outside and they decide whether they're going to give you your trident or not after all that. And, uh, getting, that's gotta be stressful. I mean, you talk about sweating during that meeting, let alone setting outside, making, you know, yeah. wondering if you passed. Yeah. Yeah. If they want to be, have you be a part of the brotherhood. As you yeah. Said. yeah. Yeah. So you go through all that stuff and you know, once you get your trident, then they put you in a platoon and, um, it's interesting. It's a little bit like an NFL draft. And sometimes, you know, cause the, the platoons are watching as you're going through advanced training and they're looking for specific things that they need. So they'll grab certain guys to put in certain platoons that have skills that that platoon needs. Then off you go. That's incredible. Yeah. Movies are wrong. They don't, you don't, you don't, you know, graduate buds and then get your, your drive. No. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so no. Was that always a dream of yours? Like, I mean, since you were little that you, you knew you were going to be a Navy SEAL, or was that something you came up to after coming out of high school? And I had heard about it um, growing up. Because uh, you grew up in a military family, obviously. I grew yeah. up in, yeah, yeah. And I had heard about it. One of my uncles had told me he was in Vietnam and talked about the SEALs in Vietnam. And um, I had read some stuff. And when I went down to talk to a recruiter, you know, I was like, that's what I want to do. That, you know, I wanted to push myself 
and each guy's got his own story of why they want to do it. But I think most young guys want to push themselves and prove themselves, you know, a little bit of chip on your shoulder, see what, see what you got. And, uh, that was the hardest thing I could think of doing. And yeah, so pretty much <laughs> that's impressive. It's, it's absolutely impressive. Went so, and did it. I mean, and it's obviously led to something really impressive that's, you know, going to change the world, even though it's, you know, a brand new thing and, yeah. you know, getting out there and, and getting the story and, you know, Dan and I are very big about supporting this type of causes. And that's why I really wanted to have you on. Even though my father goes, you should have them on. I said, that's not hard. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. And yeah. we got free coffee. So, and we, mean, yeah, we got, we got a bag of coffee. I mean, I would have done without the coffee. This but month's I mean, bonus. So, that's, oh, so, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> got to try the coffee. I was going for I've hat, tried really, the coffee. Yeah. Coffee. Yeah. <laughs> so, <kidding>. yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. All right. Well, uh, where can we pick up your coffee and your wine specifically? What retailers are hosting your stuff? I want to go grab some. Well, we sell mostly online. Okay. And so if you go to our website at, at bonefrog-coffee.com, bonefrog-coffee.com, um, you can order directly online. We will ship it. It's actually roasted to order. So when you get your coffee shipped to you within a day or two, it was roasted. It so good. <laughs> yeah. That was roasted today. Oh, oh, okay. Wow. That's okay. why it probably smells so really good. Okay. Today. Okay. And so um, it's super fresh. And for the for the wine, it's bonefrogsellers.com. Bonefrogsellers.com. No dash, just bonefrogsellers. Nope. Okay. Yep. I'll have both, both links posted on the on the podcast notes. So listeners, if you look, expand the little paragraph where you're at and you will see that those links you can get your stuff yeah how do you get how do you get the wine you ship the wine and ship the ship wine the wine gets shipped from richland from richland okay yeah and it's professionally packed and the whole thing yeah. you know we don't keep it on the side of the mountain so can we pick it up in richland for over there do you have a show? you could pick it up there or we also have it up in woodenville at, at john bookwalter's uh, oh, okay. tasting room you can get yeah, it yeah. there as well yeah Okay. Well, in case you haven't gotten this from our conversation, this company is obviously veteran-owned and veteran-operated, which is important. I think it's important yeah. to support these causes. So I really thank you for taking the time to come in and, and doing this. And uh, I know you guys are busy, and uh, life is good, and I wish you nothing but success. So yeah. Thank you so yeah. much for having me. And Hopefully we can contribute to it. Yeah, yeah I just yeah. appreciate you know give it, be, being given a platform to talk about what we're doing and kind of share the messaging with, with everybody. So Cool. Thank Excellent. you. Yeah. Uh, for this episode of Rain City, I'm sorry. Oops, I did it. That's the first time I've done That's it. That's the first time you've done it. I'll leave it in because it's okay, funny. That's funny, okay. <laughs> for this episode of the Avance Podcast, I'm Nick. I'm Dan, and don't just get there. Enjoy the drive.